At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a walk-off grand slam or a base hit to center field. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Pet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. I'm Katia Adler, host of The Global Story. Over the last 25 years, I've covered conflicts in the Middle East, political and economic crises in Europe, drug cartels in Mexico. Now I'm covering the stories behind the news all over the world in conversation with those who break it. Join me Monday to Friday to find out what's happening, why, and what it all means. Follow the global story from the BBC wherever you listen to podcasts. Getting ready to take on spring? Make your first move with the reliable performance and power of steel battery tools. From hedge trimmers and mowers to string trimmers and more, right now you can save $50 on select battery tool sets. Real steel. Offer valid on select AK system sets through June 16, 2024. See participating retailer for details. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, We've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandsLots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. This is the Pittsburgh CityCast with Tim Benz, presented by Bet Rivers. Everybody's doubting us, and, you know, I think we feed off that. You know, we were supposed to lose tonight, right? That's what everybody said. And, you know, for us, it's a, it's a FU mentality. Like, hey, we're, we're a big league team, too, and uh, we're going to do our part. We're going to do our job, and I think that everyone doubting us brings out the best, and it, and it makes us want to win even more. Yeah, they sure have been in FU mode about it when playing against the best teams in baseball this season. The Pirates 6-1 and one against the likes of the Yankees and Dodgers. That may make you think twice about the Yanks at minus 205 against the Pirates. But then again, Mitch Keller is pitching, so maybe that shouldn't be too much of a concern. I'm Tim Benz. This is the Pittsburgh CityCast. We're back after some vacation downtime. Few more days coming up, but for now, back at it. Download the app today or go to betrivers.com. The Pirates did a lot right in their 5 2 win against the Yankees Tuesday night. They got out to an early lead against former Pirate Jamison Tyon with a second inning home run by Daniel Vogelbach. They added on with three more in the fourth inning, featuring a homer from Jack Zawinski. Both were on full counts, by the way. Great job working the count and getting Tyon to try to use the middle of the plate. They held the Yankees to just two of nine hitting with runners in scoring position, stranding nine Yankees on base. One of those big outs came with that guy, Will Crow, who you heard at the top of the podcast, getting all-star slugger Aaron Judge to ground into a double play in the seventh, and David Bednar ended the game by striking out Judge with a runner on base. Brian Reynolds, he made a great catch in center field, and the Pirates didn't give New York much free help, yielding just two walks and committing no errors. And perhaps most importantly, the Pirates played with the lead and held on to it. So former Pirate relief pitcher Clay Holmes didn't have to enter the game. Think about that. 
avoiding Clay Holmes has to be a priority. Who would have thunk? I was bemused by the recent quotes coming from various pirates regarding Holmes's sudden success with the Yankees. He's been huge for the Yankees this year. They're 58 and 23 coming into the two-game series against the Pirates, and Holmes 4-0, 4-9 ERA. That's 0.49 ERA, a WHIP of 0.73, 15 saves and 16 tries this season. He had been a stud setup man for Araldis Chapman earlier in the season and may have supplanted him as the closer moving forward. Holmes should be one of many players representing the Yankees in the All-Star game later this month. And man, is that a long way from what he was as a Pirate. 5-7, and seven, a 5-5-7 ERA during four seasons in Pittsburgh. His control was garbage when he was here. Strikeout to walk ratio is currently 38-5. to five. He had a walk rate of 6.3 per nine innings in Pittsburgh. And I've been blindsided by Holmes' turnaround, but apparently I shouldn't have been. Based on what his former Pirates teammates told Trib Live's Kevin Gorman recently, he's my colleague at the Trib, Mitch Keller said, quote, everyone knew that this was in there, so it really wasn't too much to talk about. We knew it was going to happen. Chris Stratton said, I don't think anybody here is surprised at the results he's getting because his stuff was electric. There's no secret to what he's doing either. He's being simple with it. His stuff is just that good. Well, somebody in the organization, namely general manager Ben Charrington or Derek Shelton, should be surprised because Holmes was never that much of a plus player when he was here. And if he was, they could have gotten more for him than they did in just Diego Castillo or Hoy Park. Apparently, the biggest reason for Holmes's turnaround is a reliance on a two-pitch approach, an improving slider and a sinker that's fast becoming the stuff of legend. He's just using those pitches and pretty much nothing else. According to Baseball Savant, Holmes is throwing that sinker 81% of the time, the slider 18% of the time. In 2020, his last full season in Pittsburgh, Holmes used a curveball 59% of the time, the sinker at 31%, and a slider for only 9.1%. Why weren't Charrington and his scouting staff, Shelton the pitching coach Oscar Marin, able to identify or hone Holmes' sinker so it could be used as the weapon that has become in New York? When he was on the fan on Tuesday during his usual radio show, Shelton said the usage and what they're doing. That's where the self-reflection comes in of maybe... We didn't use his weapons the way we should have. We have to make sure that we go back and look when guys go to other places and people make adjustments to what those adjustments are, why they made those adjustments, and then reflect on what our process was in terms of conversations about the adjustments that we didn't make. Well, at least Shelton got that part right. It's not just how often Holmes is using the sinker. It's where he's throwing it and where he's standing on the mound. According to Christy Ackert of the New York Daily News, Matt Blake noticed, the pitching coach, that Holmes was missing with the sinker and he was missing low and inside. They encouraged him to target a little bit higher with the sinker. That's what Ackert said when she came on with me on the X on Tuesday. Maybe miss a little bit higher and then you're still in the strike zone because the natural life of the ball will take itself down. They've moved him away a little bit from the hitter as well and that seems to have helped. Are those adjustments so advanced that Pirates pitching coaches couldn't have figured that out themselves or scouts or management? This isn't me using 2020 hindsight. I'm not saying the Pirates should have kept Holmes. 
I get why they gave up on him. Same thing with Tyler Glass now before he blossomed in Tampa Bay or before Charlie Morton rediscovered himself after he went to Houston. But it's not my job to identify the granular nuances to unlock the talent on the Pirates roster. That's what the baseball staff gets paid to do. Pirates ownership doesn't pay out the kind of money to buy obvious talent like the Yankees have. So the coaches and scouts have to make the most out of what they are given. Something that did happen Tuesday night against the Yankees. Something that clearly didn't happen with Holmes before he was traded. You got some World Series futures that are in now, and these are all kind of enumerated based on percentage of World Series money. The Dodgers at plus 450, getting 18%, according to Bet Rivers. The White Sox at plus 3,300, going with a long shot there, getting 17% of the money. Yankees and Mets are the next two. The Yankees at 15%, the Mets at 14%. Yankees plus 400, Mets at 750. And then the Blue Jays at plus 1,100 at 3.4%. As far as the tickets coming in, most of the tickets are in on the Yankees. They've got the highest total at 16.6%, followed by the White Sox at 15.3%, and then the Dodgers at 13% for a plus 450 payout as we mentioned, leading the way money-wise. Today, I like the Blue Jays, minus 200, the Mets at minus 162, and the Astros at minus 305 on a parlay that pays out at plus 393. If something goes wrong with the Jays early, it still pays out at plus 159 if you want to get back in on the other teams later. All right, uh, when we come back here in the Pittsburgh CityCast, we'll get into a little bit of conversation about the Pittsburgh Penguins and where they are right now. After the Casey DeSmith extension and the rumors about Marc-Andre Fleury, that's on the way next here in the Pittsburgh CityCast. BetRivers Sportsbook is offering new customers a deposit match up to $250 when you sign up today. In addition to their welcome bonus, BetRivers has daily and ongoing promotions that can provide extra value. Download the BetRivers app or go to BetRivers.com today to sign up. Presented by Rivers Casino Pittsburgh, must be 21 gambling problem, call 1-800-GAMBLER. All right, back on the Pittsburgh CityCast. Glad you're with us. Tim Benz here after a vacation. A lot coming up for hockey in the near future. We'll be talking hockey a bunch. Brian Metzer of the Pittsburgh Penguins Radio Network is going to join us shortly. And one thing that transpired yesterday, Casey DeSmith gets a contract extension to the tune of $1.8 million per year over two years. So that seemingly put to bed what Elliot Friedman had said earlier on the day from his podcast, 32 Thoughts on Sportsnet. And if you missed it, this is what Friedman said about teams that could be inquiring about Marc-Andre Fleury. And yes, the Penguins were one of them. I think he's going through the process right now. I think he's begun the process now of figuring out what he wants to do. And one of the things I think that's going on behind the scenes, and I'm not accusing anyone of doing anything illegal, God forbid that be happening, but I do think the goalies and their representatives are trying to figure out who's in, who's out, and where the chairs are at the table. And so I think Fleury is one of the guys that kind of has to figure out what he's thinking because he could have multiple options. One of them is Minnesota, one of them is Pittsburgh, 
I think one of them could be Colorado if Darcy Kemper's not back there, and we'll get back to him in a second. And the other one, I think, could be Toronto. So Fleury, because his incumbent team is trying to sign him, that's the wild. Bill Guerin has said he wants to bring him back. Yeah. I think he has to make that decision first. I think he's really beginning to think about it now, about what he wants to do. So I think we could get some clarity on Flurry in the not-too-distant future. And the thing about Flurry is, mm-hmm. I think I said this at the time, you know, there were people who said that he did not want to go to Toronto. I don't think that's true. I just think that the Maple Leafs and the Blackhawks could not agree on the trade. And that's because Chicago wanted Nyes and Toronto wasn't willing to do that. But I do think if they had made a deal, he was going to go to Toronto. And just so everyone's on the same page, that's Matthew Nyes, second round draft pick from last season, Mm -hmm. playing at the University of Minnesota. But then the DeSmith thing happens a few hours after that podcast is posted and the initial reaction is, well, so much for that. It's just going to be DeSmith backing up Tristan Jari again. And yes, uh, that probably will be the case. But if you want to be a little bit more conspiratorial, and I always want to be a little bit more conspiratorial if I can, here's another way to look at it. Another potential that exists is that Tristan Jari, at $3.5 million remaining on his contract, one more year left to go, the Penguins haven't extended him yet. They could, of course, once the last year of his deal kicks in after July the 13th, Maybe they're working on that. Who knows? But one other prospect that you might consider is that maybe these talks are going on concurrently with DeSmith and with Flurry, and the possibility could be that the Penguins may be shopping Jari with one more year left in his deal because they really want Flurry back and DeSmith to back up Flurry because the idea of having Flurry back up Tristan Jari to me just doesn't make any sense. None, because every time Tristan Jari lets in a puck, then you're going to have to hear all of Pittsburgh nonstop call for Marc-Andre Fleury. It's going to be a different dynamic than what it was the year that they went Fleury and Murray heading into the 2017 playoffs after Murray had won a cup in 2016. Jari doesn't have that kind of cachet with the fan base just yet. So and why, why should he? He hasn't won a cup like Murray did. Hasn't done anything in the playoffs at all to speak of. At least anything good, anyway. So I suppose that's another option if you want to keep the flurry hopes alive, but that just seems to me to be adding price onto your goaltending situation because you're giving Casey DeSmith a raise and Marc-Andre Fleury ain't coming back for what Tristan Jari is making this year. So I tend to lean with the obvious answer, the more obvious thought, which is, they're just going to go with Jari and DeSmith. And hey, if they're going to keep Chris Letang and if they're going to keep Evgeny Malkin, then why wouldn't they just keep Tristan Jari and Casey DeSmith as well? If they really think that they were that close to beating the Rangers and then advancing to like play the Lightning in the Eastern Conference Final, and they seem to be convinced of that, then why would you make a drastic change like bringing Marc-Andre Fleury back for more money when you're trying to load up with other players perceptibly with cap space if you're going to change things over. That wouldn't make much sense to me, and it certainly wouldn't make much sense to bring Marc-Andre Fleury to be a backup to Tristan Jari or relegate Jari to being a backup to Marc-Andre Fleury. Uh, I don't see the point in any of that. But we can talk about all those options right now with Brian Metzer of the Pittsburgh Penguins Radio Network. 
The Penguins plus 2,500 to win the Stanley Cup. That's 11th on the odds board. The Avalanche favored at 425. Maple Leafs plus 900. Lightning at plus 1,000 atop the odds right now when it comes to the betting favorites to win the Cup. Avalanche, another one of those teams that Friedman talked about as a potential destination for Marc-Andre Fleury, as you heard there. But Mets was on with me as I filled in for Mark Madden on 105.9 The X yesterday. And here's our conversation about all things Penguins on the Pittsburgh CityCast. Mets, thanks for joining me on the Mark Madden Show today. Let's dive right into the goaltending conversation, which has been pretty quiet surrounding the Penguins with so much attention being paid to Chris Letang and Evgeny Malkin. However, Casey DeSmith getting two years, $1.8 million. What do you think about that deal? Well, you kind of stole the thunder there, Tim. I was going to say one of the biggest free agency questions we've been dying to hear about was answered <laughs> today. And uh, unfortunately, uh, it was that one. But I, I was a little bit surprised to see that deal made with Casey DeSmith simply based on the fact that he's gotten injured at the absolute worst time of the past two seasons. And I thought maybe they would go in another direction. However, I think it does speak to the fact that they have a confidence level in him, at least Mike Sullivan does, and he likes the idea of having him in the organization. Now, what this means for all the other rumors that are circulating, I know Elliot Friedman uh, up in Canada threw Marc-Andre Fleury's name out again in regard to the Penguins. I would think this was an awfully wet blanket on that scenario, and you know, rightly so, because I think if you can get your backup locked up for an under $2 million rate, I probably would have liked to have spent a little bit less than that, knowing everything else that they have to go out and buy this summer. But that, you know, all that said, Tim, I think it's um, a comfort level. He and Kristen Jari, we know what they have with those two guys. And if that's the tandem moving into next year, I would think that they are fairly comfortable with that. However, then that turns the spotlight to the number three spot again uh, in looking for a guy to fill that role in case both of those guys are unavailable as they were this past playoff. It is an increase in pay over what he had before Mets, but still, I think there are lesser goalies than he that is they're making over two million. So yep. I, I don't think that the number is all that off-putting. Um, you know, what would you have to do if you didn't keep him to get an experienced number two goalie, and, and they don't have much else that's cable ready in their system? So. Maybe they just feel secure and safe in what the price will be for the regular season. But to your earlier point, like you, I was surprised that they decided to bring him back just because when they've needed him most in the playoffs, was it two, three times over now, he hasn't been able to due to injury. Yeah, that's the thing that jumps out at me. because, And it was a very similar injury both times, too, where you're dealing with hip and core and uh, things that affect his lower body. And he's not the biggest guy to begin with. We've all heard people criticize him for his size, even though I think he does pretty good work for um, what he brings to the table in terms of physical tools. So they, they clearly feel com- comfortable with his health. They feel confident in having him be the 1B, if not backup to Tristan Jari. And I think, if anything, it raises the next question mark here, because you and I have talked about this over the past few weeks uh, on, on your podcast. What are they going to do with Tristan Jari? He is going into his walk year here. He has one year remaining at $3.5 million. You're getting two capable NHL goaltenders now for really uh, a lot less than most people are play- paying for one, at least going into this season. So the goaltending position probably figured itself out pretty well for them in terms of cost effectiveness. I just want to see if after they get past July 13th and deal with some of these other problems that they have in terms of the big names, will they talk 
contract extension with Tristan Jari since they'll be allowed to do so and uh, at least give themselves a little bit more cost certainty moving into the future. But everything that we just talked about, I think you have to be pretty pleased with the amount of money you have allocated in total to the goaltending position based on what they're paying these two guys who they know can win games. It's just a matter of keeping them both on the ice on the ice, I mean, and healthy and prepared to go out there and hopefully be available for the playoffs because neither were as we went into both of the past uh, situations here, at least last year. Matt, to answer that question then, should they do that? Will they do that? Will they extend Jari once they can? I think that um, there's probably a want to do so. I know Tristan Jari would probably want to come out and put up a very good, solid first half of this season and then have his agent come calling and saying, hey, let's talk deal. But so far, if you can get this done this summer, I think you're going to get it for a much cheaper rate than you will once he goes out and performs effectively in the first half. Because if we've looked at Tristan Jari's track record here, I think the past handful of seasons, his most effective hockey has come in the first half of each of the years in which he's been essentially the starting goaltender. And that is only going to make that price tag go up. So I, I would expect at least a conversation to occur. And I would anticipate maybe a three-year type of offer to Tristan Jari, even though I would like to see it be a little bit longer if they believe he is the long-term solution in net. The reason I say three-year, though, is I keep hearing that Ron Hextall is reluctant to make long-term deals with players heading towards 30 or on the wrong end of 30, and Tristan Jari right now, as we look at it, is sitting at age 27. So I think a three-year deal puts him right into that wheelhouse, and then they'll worry about the rest later. But I think at least a conversation happens and probably a hope to maybe uh, make him to some sort of extension. Brian Metzer, Pittsburgh Penguins Radio Network with us. I can't go much further, Brian, without getting your thoughts. The other Friedman clip that I played, actually right before you came on, uh, he was talking about Matt Murray and the prospect of perhaps the Ottawa Senators trading away the number 7 overall pick with Murray just to get Murray's contract off the books. Uh, like he said, wow. he, he sort of modified that by the end and say, no, that'd be something else coming back in return. I would hope so. But the fact that that's even being <laughs> talked about, um, how did it come to this for Murray? What a fall, huh? I mean, I was just watching probably a week ago, the NHL Network had the, the Stanley Cup final against the Nashville Predators on. And we all know what Matt Murray did, ending that run with back-to-back shutouts. And at that point, everybody was just convinced he was the, the next up-and-comer in the National Hockey League. He had won those two Stanley Cups or was a part of that run on both, both occasions. And here we are looking at it just a handful of years later. I mean, I, I don't know that we've seen a guy kind of fall apart like this. Now, overall, his play dipped a bit here in Pittsburgh, or bits a, a little bit of an understatement. It dipped a lot. But I think since he left, he's had his moments of looking like a very effective player. The problem has been he can't stay healthy. The guy was out of the lineup so much last season. He was sick. He had injuries. He had a number of other things. And maybe another fresh start is the best thing that can happen to him. But I will say, if he does go to some other organization, he better harness it because he doesn't have many more kicks at the can. Now, if Ottawa really did want to give up that first-round pick with Murray, you're kind of paying for someone to take his contract off the books but you better be getting something back in return because I know they didn't give up a ton to get Murray from the Penguins, but all of that said, when you look at this scenario, that's an awful lot in terms of quality to give up just to get a contract off your books. 
And then you risk the possibility of Murray becoming something special again down the line. And then the fan base up there begins to revolt. But I, uh, I can't say I'm super surprised, though, because they have some faith in the goaltenders in their system, not named Mac, Matt Murray. And the biggest one might be Gustafson, who was the former Penguins farmhand as well here before he moved on and now looks like he could be a guy competing for their starting goaltending job up there this as soon as this season because he played quite a bit last year with the other player that they have, and they have a couple of those Scandinavian guys that are going to really hold down that position for years to come. If I gave you even money, minus 110, for instance, yes or no, do the Penguins have that number 21 pick and use it on draft day or as a part of a trade? Uh, based on who is the general manager today, Tim, I would say they will make that pick, and I'm pretty com- comfortable in saying that. I know there's some crazy rumors being kicked around. If you dig into the underbelly of the internet today, I saw all kind of crazy stuff being talked about uh, in terms of the Penguins trying to move up in the draft, but it didn't come from sources that uh, I tend to put a whole lot of stock in. So I think that they will make the pick at 21. Uh, If it was Jim Rutherford, I don't even think we would have had the pick in possession of the Pittsburgh Penguins today, so we wouldn't even be able to set odds on such a proposition. I'm with you there. I think that would have ended up being part of a deal, perhaps to get up higher in the draft. They're they're not going to get up high enough to get Logan Cooley. Is that what you're seeing in the deep, dark parts of the internet? Is that what you're talking about or no? Yeah, Yeah, I saw some text messages to that that extent, and and I know the, the individual who was saying it pretty well. Uh, and it's vintage him for this time of year to kind of talk about that. But, you know, even if you found a way, Tim, to speak to the rumor here, and I don't want to give it that many legs because I don't put faith in it, but even if you could get to the number four pick where the Kraken sit, I think you're not even going to get Cooley there. There's a pretty good chance he goes in the top three of this draft, and um, then you will have done that deal all for naught. Now, maybe if you did it with the caveat that we won't make a trade unless we know the player is sitting there, but then you have to open up the whole can of worms of, boy, what is Ron Francis going to take? Because the 21 overall is simply not enough to make that deal happen for the Kraken. And I don't know that anybody in this organization not named Jake Gensel probably blows, blows wind up, uh, up his skirt enough to make him make the deal. So I think it's just a, a, fool's, a fool's dance to even talk about. But, boy, it is silly season, and we are just a week or so away from the true silly season here, Tim. And that's what I love about the summer. All this crazy stuff bubbles to the surface. Let's say they can't get a number to work with Latang. Do they sign Malkin anyway? Or is that the final straw then for Ron Hextall to say, okay, it's time to rebuild? Well, you know, I still feel like just when we thought they were going to turn a page on Latang based on some things that maybe we heard over the last 10 days here, all of a sudden it seems like there's some optimism again that, well, you know, they're a lot closer than they were. And I, I think that they, that's going to be the kind of thing we're going to hear all the way up until the 13th. Now, that said, if you can't find a way to make a deal with him, I hope, as um, you know, we've, we've kind of speculated a little about in conversations before you and I, that they don't just circle back to Geno simply to kind of offset the loss of Latang, because people would be excited to keep one of the big names. They do vastly different things for this hockey team. And I don't think that, they are near even close to where they were last season, just keeping Gino and losing Latang. I know there's a couple bodies out there that you can go and try and sign. John Klingberg is the first one you think of. A couple other names that you might be able to acquire. But I just don't know that anybody's as good a fit for what they do right now in Pittsburgh as Chris Latang is. So for me, that's a big-time priority. And then um, I, I still 
I'm finding it hard to find a place for them to make room for Gino unless he really does it for a bottom dollar price. And I don't know that he want to do that. So all of that said, yeah, maybe if he loses Latang, it's the opportunity to kind of rip the Band-Aid off and not call it a rebuild per se, but at least move forward with all that cap space. Maybe, maybe go out and make a couple of deals to bring in two-for-ones, as we've talked about in the past as well. Kind of find maybe two or three players that you can allocate some of the Latang money to. Same thing with the Geno money. And then you move into your future of hoping to have some, some higher draft picks. And then maybe it's a year of suffering before you get back to being a true Stanley Cup contender uh, two years from now, because I don't know that they will be a number one type contender in the Eastern Conference, minus those two players, no matter who they're able to bring in. And finally, Mets, how much do you think ticket sales factor into this whole conversation? And are you of my opinion that actually people might be more interested in seeing a newer team around Sidney Crosby if it wins, because uh, that's how I would handle you know, my own opinion and my own purchasing uh, patterns if I'm a Penguin fan, because, hey, I, I love Latang and Malkin and watching them too, but they're not, maybe Latang's closer, but they're not what they were. And, um, you know, I've seen it for 15 years. You know, I'm really interested to see what a new look team could be around Sid and that top line moving into the playoffs. Well, it's interesting you say that because I, I had a conversation with a season ticket holder recently who said to me, why should I think that next year, if they bring these guys back would be any different than the last couple. And he, it was a kind of statement made in a way that says, okay, I know they were talented and I know that they had a team that should have, could have, would have won the first round, but what makes us think it would be different. They're all a year older again. All of these things are going to just get harder and harder. And so to the point you just made, I think that you would have a little bit of an excitement level. I think there's an excitement level about this summer, regardless, even if you only kept one of those names, simply because they do have a little bit of money to play with. There are some intriguing names floating around on the free agent market. I think it's going to be a new-looking new enough team that is going to get people kind of saying, hey, let's take a look at this version of the Pittsburgh Penguins. But it's, it's just going to be a weird summer because we haven't had a year where the Penguins have had this kind of money at their disposal. The big names have not been up for contracts since 2013, essentially. I know um, Gino and, and uh, Latang's deals were essentially done in the same year back when you look at it. And the thing that just keeps standing out to me is Latang's last deal was due uh, to come to a new one right at the draft um, when they were in New Jersey, getting ready to make their selections. And everybody was ready to turn the page on him then. And Ray Shiro at the time found a way to get that done. I remember sitting in a hotel room in New Jersey and seeing the deal come across the wire. So I kind of think something similar could happen heading into the draft this week as we see that happen. But it's going to be exciting, I think, in all capacities, just because of everything I just ran through. I will say that that was the only reason I was thinking Marc-Andre Fleury's name would come up to him is because if you lost those two big guys, you would still have a big name from the past, which I kind of I don't like it for that reason, that it's just another time or there's another retread. But they'd say, hey, we're bringing back one of your all-time favorites. Buy tickets, buy tickets. So I hope that's not the case. All right, so my thanks to Brian Metzer of the Pittsburgh Penguins Radio Network. We'll catch up with Mets again as we head into free agency. Always look forward to our weekly hockey chats with him. Tomorrow, we talk plenty more about the hockey landscape. We'll also wrap up the next game of the Pirates and Yankees at PNC Park. I'll be there tonight firsthand. We'll have a recap there. This is the Pittsburgh CityCast.